This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Uh, would you guys click the phone caller in there? Was that an accident or what did you guys do there? Okay, well, um, Larry in Brooklyn almost got had an opportunity to be heard, but now he has to wait. All right. Uh, it was a rare thing a couple hours ago. Today, President Biden did a very rare TV interview. A few hours ago, he appeared on Late Night with Seth Meyers. Now, it's rare because President Biden just hasn't done a lot of interviews compared to his predecessors. At this point in his presidency, Donald Trump has done about had done about 280 some odd interviews. At this point in his presidency, President Obama had done over 300 interviews. And at this point, President Biden has done 83 interviews. And that's interviews of all types. Radio shows, uh, sit-down interviews, TV, radio, everything. I mean, that's a pretty stark contrast. The numbers that uh, Bush had were not as much as Trump and Obama did, but they were not far off. I'd have to double check, but it was a little far, a, li- a little bit below, below what Trump and uh, Obama had done. So, what did he have to say? Well, he joked last night or this morning. By the way, I, I, I will tell you uh, that uh, I have not seen this yet, so we're reliant upon Elias, who insisted that this was not airing until tomorrow. Uh, we are re- relying upon Elias's filtering of this interview and his editorial discretion in the cuts that he has selected for me to play for you for us to get a flavor of this interview. I haven't seen the interview yet, so just be warned. President Biden joked that a potential 2024 endorsement by Taylor Swift is a classified matter. <laughs> as he made this uh, media appearance to mark the 10th anniversary of Late Night with Seth Meyers. Can you believe that he's been doing this for 10 years? That's wild. I uh, I had no idea. Biden's arrival was something of a surprise to the audience. He stepped on stage after the announced guest, comedian and actor Amy Poehler, noted that Biden had been a guest on Meyers' first show when he was vice president. Poehler said she could get him to return 
prompting Biden to enter to hail to the chief. So uh, Biden told Myers, it's good to be back. Why haven't you invited me earlier? We don't have the audio of that, but we do have him joking about the ages of both of the major presidential candidates. Here was President Biden on Seth Meyers a couple of hours ago. And this isn't a gotcha show, but I do want to ask about it, that says you are currently 81 years old. Who the hell told you that? Yeah. <laughs> That's classified. That's classified. According to recent polling, this is a real concern for American voters. How do you address that concern going forward as you come up to the 2024 election? Well, a couple of things. Number one, you got to take a look at the other guy. He's about as old as I am, but he can't remember his wife's name. Yeah. And it's about how old your ideas are. Look, I mean, this is a guy who wants to take us back. He wants to take us back on Roe v. Wade. He wants to take us back on a whole range of issues that are 50, 60 years. They've been solid American position. So, I mean, obviously he knows Myers. It seems like they get along and this is a friendly interview, but he sounded pretty good there. I have to say, I mean, all the more reason I find it confusing that Biden wouldn't do a Super Bowl interview. Again, so far, that's the only portion that I've heard. But here he was. I don't know if this was a joke. I don't think it is because it has to do with the Middle East situation. And I don't think even President Biden would be joking about what's happening with Israel and Gaza right now. This is, again, from uh, the uh, late night show with Seth Meyers a couple of hours ago. There is a path forward. The hostages being held must be released. And if we've got a, at least a principle agreement, there'll be a ceasefire while that takes place. Ramadan's coming up and there's been an agreement by the Israelis that they would not engage in activities during Ramadan as well in order to give us time to get all the hostages out. So there's a process underway that I think if we get that, that temporary ceasefire, we're going to be able to move in a direction where we can change the dynamic and not have a two-state solution immediately, but a process to get to a two-state solution. Sounds very coherent. Uh, Those are the only portions that we have now. We're going to work on trying to get some others. But I got an uh, email here from Martha who writes, Biden tonight on Seth Meyers was fine. Nothing anyone honest could criticize or who isn't paid to promote him. He did point out the dangers to the U.S. and world if rash, thoughtless, self-absorbed Trump was to be elected. Is Trump's bizarro HD? I don't know if that's Martha's commentary or if something that uh, President Biden had alluded to. So I um, I haven't seen it, but I'll give a watch after the show. If you saw it, I'd be curious what you think, because it just it has become a really rare event for President Biden to give any sort of an interview. But in the two clips that we have, you know, seems like he did a pretty in- decent job. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Original Rick is in Original Jersey. Hi, Rick. Yes, good morning, Frank. Just a second. You caught me by surprise. Been waiting. Anyway, a quick uh, word on that situation with your caller Tom, who you're, you know you're not sure really what happened to him. Um, that's a problem with old people in general. You know, uh, you don't have friends around or family, and you, something happens to you. No one knows. Well, I know. That's why I'm sincere in asking anybody, but especially any of our older callers, to put in their will to inform me when they pass on, or at least tell their next of kin to tell me. Right. Um, Absolutely. In fact, believe it or not, I actually have told my cousin that. Good. Thank you. I appreciate that. But, Frank, what I do... You know, I could be dead for a week. No one's going to know. I mean, I have no one that lives around me, and you don't call everybody for maybe once a week or something. My animals could be starving. I have an app called Snug, S-N-U-G, 
And you have to check in with the app once a day at whatever time you tell it. And if you don't, it alerts you. And if you don't tap on it after it alerts you, it sends a text message to the people you've put in to, to notify that, hey, uh, Rick isn't responding. Maybe you should check on him. You know, it, it's, a, it's a way of letting people know, like, you may not be around anymore. Well, so, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, that's actually a pretty good idea. Uh, well, give me, it's called Snug, S-N-U-G? Yes. Yeah, yes, I think that's, uh, that's pretty good. Uh, I mean, you know, I can't vouch for it, but it sounds like it's an, a, a good idea. I like it. Well, I, I have forgotten to tap it, and it does. It sends an emergency message saying, you know, you should really check with this person or call for a uh, <clears throat> a welfare check or something like that. So it's, it alerts people that you you should have been doing something you're not. Maybe you're not okay. You know, even if you're just sick and you can't, right. you can't, you know. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I think it's a great idea. It would help us with uh, a lot of callers that, um, you know, that we haven't heard from in a while. I, I agree with that, Rick. That's great. I appreciate you mentioning that. Absolutely. Thank, Thank you. you. 800-848-9222. Speaking of uh, things that um, should be, uh, you know, kept in mind, you know the comedian Amy Schumer She's actually the cousin or a cousin of uh, Senator Chuck Schumer, but she's a comedian and an actress. And uh, I think she's pretty funny. Not hysterical, but she's pretty funny. And she has something that I was unfamiliar with called Cushing Syndrome. And evidently, she was prompted to uh, get checked for this. Cushing Syndrome is a hormonal disorder. But... People online, because we all know how nice the people online can be, people online were making fun of her for her physical appearance. And they were talking about how bloated she was and how her face looked swollen. So she was doing on-camera interviews and everybody was, not everybody, but a lot of people were commenting about how bad she looked. So that prompted her to go and get checked, and she was diagnosed with this rare hormonal disorder called Cushing syndrome, which, honestly, I'd never heard of. But um, she's only 42 years old, and she revealed her diagnosis in the News Not Noise newsletter, and she said that people commented on her puffier face after she appeared on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, ironically, the show that precedes Seth Meyers. And she said the condition does not pose any serious uh, threats to her health. The online buzz around her appearance, a mix of concern and negativity, was how she realized something was wrong. So it's funny. You would think on the one hand this is a cautionary tale to not bully people online, including celebrities, because you don't know what kind of medical issues they have. But on the other hand, it's not. On the other hand, it's saying you absolutely should point out what's going on or how people look if you don't think they look good because it could be an indication that something is really wrong. She might not have gone to the doctor if she hadn't been deluged with all these social media comments urging her to get checked. Cushing syndrome is caused by uh, excessive levels of cortisol, which is known as a stress hormone, and it can cause a range of symptoms, including a round face, weight gain, and weak muscles. I still think, though, that it's important to keep in mind that when you bash a celebrity or a politician or any kind of public figure, that uh, these folks are people, too, and they have feelings and they see what you say. 
right? So I think it's important just to be nice, you know, treat people, speak about people how you'd like to be treated. I, I look at some of the things that folks say about President Trump or President Biden or uh, different uh, media personalities, and I just think, what makes you so perfect that you're in a position to judge everybody else? I just, uh, I don't get it. I mean, I guess everybody does it to some extent. Evelyn, who's always helpful, former listener of the week, she writes, perhaps when I, I wrote my times sandwich, she writes, perhaps nighttime sandwich. Huh. Could it have been nighttime sandwich? But what? I don't think so. I don't, I don't know of a nighttime sandwich that I would have been talking about. I don't think so. Hmm. No, I don't know. By the way, I did end up eating, speaking of uh, sandwiches, the leftovers that were labeled with my name on them on Friday. They were very good. I must say, somebody saved me some shrimp and some some rice, and uh, they were quite good. So thank you to whomever uh, left those for me. They were delicious. Thank you. Um, but, yeah, it's very frustrating if you're just tuning in. I wrote something down that I wanted to talk about, and my phone I probably changed the description. I wrote my Times sandwich, and it is my version of Jerry wanting to figure out what he heard, what he thought was funny when he heard the flaming globes of Sigmund. Jerry writes it down, and then when he's awake, finds it's not funny. All right, 800-848-9222. We'll start with uh, Gnome Laden coming up in just a bit. Larry is in Brooklyn. Hi, Larry. Hi, Frank. Uh, you mentioned a couple of things that provoked my uh, thoughts about, you mentioned the people uh, in Burkina Faso versus, uh, you know, their fortune of being born there and misfortune. And you mentioned the people of Gaza. I wanted to make two points. First of all, we don't talk about world poverty enough, okay? There's still dire poverty all over Africa. I mean, I was reading to my, I couldn't believe it. Like tens of thousands of college girls have to sell them, have to do prostitution in order to make uh, ends meet How in many? Africa. How many? Uh, like 70,000 people in 70,000 girls in college in Tanzania have to resort to prostitution wow. in order to, in order to make it through college they, they to support themselves otherwise they'll be in, they'll be dirt poor that's so just in Tanzania well no it's across africa oh, okay. i'm just giving you one example it's in many african countries this this kind of prostitution not just amongst the lowest class but amongst the rising classes too to enable them to rise now when you think about it think about these migrants with shiny parkas and backpacks that we're making beautiful to present them from school like they're from the middle class. This is foreign aid. These people are not residents here. So which is better, to give these people shiny parka jackets that cost $500 plus, plus brand-new backpacks, designer backpacks, because they got to look good, or to give people food in Burkina Faso, or maybe college girls spending money so they don't have to resort to prostitution. They can buy their books yeah, Larry, and, and get themselves ahead. Yeah, it's a good point, and I think it raises a question about how money should be spent 
um, you know, meeting on uh, programs here, uh, foreign aid. I, I mean, that is it's such a, a a broader question that could lead to other you know, other uh, implications in every aspect of life, sociologically, economically. But, you know, my point was just the simple one of how lucky am I and so many of you to be born in the United States. Your point's well taken. And, you know, I'm, I have no doubt there, oh, money could always be spent better, right? Everybody knows how to uh, spend it better as opposed to how it's being spent. But my point was just about appreciating what you have. Um uh, by the way, that voice that I just played for you, I meant to mention this. Uh, the guy that's saying Flaming Globes, Sigmund. Look, Sigmund! Look at the sky! The planet's on fire! It is just as you prophesized! Do you know whose voice that is in that Seinfeld episode? That is the voice of Seinfeld co-creator Larry David. He And if you rewatch Seinfeld now, you see him... In all sorts of other appearances, he was Frank Costanza's lawyer, the guy with the cape. He was um, the uh, the uh, clerk at the newsstand or the the newsie that won't accept the uh, lipstick on the bill from George. Uh, he was the originally the voice of Newman. Originally, he was Newman's voice uh, before Newman was shown on screen. And I'm watching the final season of Curb Your Enthusiasm now. I'm really enjoying it. I, I think it's terrific. I think um, it, it's clear that they're setting themselves up for a redo of the Seinfeld finale. My wife and I watched the most recent episode last night. And, uh, you know, it's silly. But I thought it was very funny. And you know who was – I don't want to say who in case you haven't seen it yet – there is a news personality that has a cameo in the most recent episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, and he's terrific. He's actually much better than I thought he would be in this role. I thought he was very funny. So if you haven't seen uh, the most recent episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, I think you're going to enjoy it. And there's one aspect of society that they deal with in the most recent episode that I think is right on the money, and it's bothered me time and again, which is when they decide at restaurants to stop serving breakfast. Why, if you, why, why do some restaurants stop serving breakfast at 11? W- what if you want breakfast at 1130? D- is it impossible to make a breakfast at 1130? Why? And yet, and, and they really do a great job um, exposing the stupidity of that, and obviously, there's some integral aspects of the plot to that as well. All right, eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. If you want to comment, Noam Laden is here. We'll uh, talk to him in just a bit. Oh, but before we get out of here, or before uh, we get out of here, I wanted to make sure I mentioned this. I don't know of a person in America that is happy with how their health care is paid for. I know there's a lot of people that might be happy with the quality of health care they're getting, uh, although I think that's a relatively small list as well. I think there are so many people that feel like they're getting ripped off when they go to the doctor or to an urgent care facility. And there's an article in Axios that I found so interesting. Doctors are increasingly charging their patients a fee for responding to emails... Signing documents, 
or writing notes to verify an illness. So according to Stanford University professor Robert Pearl, basically physicians are saying the things that I used to do for free, I can't afford to do it now. So a lot of patients started bombarding their doctors with emails during the pandemic. So now the doctors are trying to monetize more of their time. They don't want to spend all day answering emails and writing notes for free. So they're now charging. They're charging for answers to emails and all this other stuff. And they're hoping, apparently, that this may nudge patients to think twice about some of their less urgent questions. More employers are also demanding doctor's notes from workers who take sick days. You know, I mean, I I have mixed feelings about a doctor's note. I think if you're if you're sick, why shouldn't you have to provide some sort of documentation, some doctor's note or anything? I heard that both Elias uh, and Matt Blaze, when they're recent sick days, they didn't provide any doctor's notes. But on the other hand, if you're sick and you know you have something that just requires bed rest and you have a fever or the flu or a bad cold, maybe you don't even need to go to the doctor to know, okay, I'm coughing, sneezing, and blowing my nose every eight seconds, and I have a sore throat. Maybe what I just need is to drink lots of fluids and stay in bed. Maybe I don't need to go to the doctor for that. But it does become something, the sick days, that a lot of people end up taking advantage of. But a lot of employers, more employers, are demanding doctor's notes from workers who take these sick days, and it's upping the paperwork burden even more for doctors. So I understand where the doctors are coming from on this. If you've experienced this either as a patient or as a healthcare provider that's bombarded with more and more paperwork, I'd love to hear from you. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. I just got an email from someone and this never ceases to amaze me. These are like the people that have never seen the doctor, uh, the uh, godfather, the doctor. Uh, this person writes me that she has never watched a single episode of Seinfeld. That's amazing. And the that is something that Tracy Ullman's character on the most recent episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm has in common with you. Her character has never seen a uh, an, an episode of Seinfeld in her whole life. So there's that. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. I am in the midst of uh, trying to do seven consecutive days of Facebook Live videos. If you want to see what, what I've done. So far, I've done three out of seven. And then, and then today will be day four. If you want to see them, just go to my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Moranofan. A lot of people have said that they don't see these videos until afterwards. Well, if that's you, if you want to be notified whenever I go live, what you can do is go to my page, and in the upper right-hand corner, you'll see three dots. And click on those three dots and click where it says following, and there should be something that says following settings. And then there should be something uh, that uh, asks you to be notified for video or live video notifications and you'll get a little you'll get a little push notification every time that I go live if that's important to you otherwise just catch it whenever all right um 800-848-9222 800-848-9222 and Noam Laden joins us next to give us a preview of what's in the news and the stories that you'll be talking about all day straight ahead 
The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. dedicated to all of you that are listening to me while you're asleep. Uh, it is Dream On by Aerosmith. Uh, by the way, I appreciate people listening in their uh, in their sleep. That's how my unique way of pronouncing things and my unique phraseology is going to be brought back into vogue by getting it into your head while you're asleep. That was uh, another birthday bumper music selection from celebrity chef David Burke, who is celebrating his birthday today. Happy birthday, David Burke. Someone who is not celebrating his birthday today, unlike our own Tony Atwood, is the one and only Gnome Layden, who has a little bit of news for us. Stand by for the other side of Midnight's News. Side of Midnight and its affiliated stations present national and international news with Frank Morano and news director Noam Layden. Their summary of the world news and personal comments. Get the rest of the story. Hello, Noam. Good morning, Frank. Let's start with an uplifting story, which I don't always do when I meet with you in the morning here. Albert Einstein School of Medicine Mm. up in the Bronx yesterday. They assemble all the doctoral students in for essentially the old school assembly, like back in the days when you were in school. They brought in all the doctoral students, all in their different years along the way. And uh, the woman who was the head of the board of trustees for Albert Einstein School of Medicine said she had an announcement to make. And the announcement she made was that she was going to pay for all of their education and the students' educations going forward. She um, she came into money from her late husband's investment in Berkshire Hathaway, an investment that's given her over a billion dollars. So she thought best way to spend it is by educating the future doctors of America. 
and the place just went wild, as you might imagine. There are students from all different kinds of backgrounds who have made it there, sons and daughters uh, who have parents who are new immigrants, other ones whose father was an Uber driver. And here's a little bit of what it sounded like after they found out they will no longer have to pay their tuition. I was taking out, I think, 60K for the tuition and then more for living expenses and rent. Um, so probably all together, I think I'm saving now like 180000 And then with interest, I probably more to half a million. My dad, he currently like works as an Uber driver, so he doesn't make a lot of money. So this, this has been like a huge impact on my family. Mm. Um, yeah, that's like the first thing I just like call my parents and they're like super, super happy about it. Yeah, so this donation, Frank, goes to a school in the Bronx where the poverty rate is the highest of any borough in New York City. It's considered the least healthy county in New York State, has high rates of obesity, premature death, doctors educated at the school may also choose to work there afterward as another way, sort of a donation back to the community. Well, I think this is great. I mean, they say this is the most generous one of these donations ever in history. I mean, which is great. My brother actually got a PhD from Albert Einstein, so he would have been, I guess, affected by this. But from what I remember when he went there, it's been a couple of years now since he got his PhD from there. I thought that when you were pursuing a PhD, maybe this was a situation unique to him, when you were pursuing a PhD there, they had you work in some sort of research field, and that was kind of the way of paying your tuition. Because I don't think he took out loans, and I don't think he um, he paid tuition. I think he, he had this thing where he would work on research for the school and that was basically his way of paying tuition. I don't know the details, but I guess clearly, based on the people that we just played, there's plenty of people that were paying tuition. Yeah, and he might be one of the lucky ones. Tuition could be as high as eighty grand a year. So uh, it's amazing that it'll, it'll affect about seven hundred and thirty-seven students. And she didn't want to leave out the people who are graduating this year, finishing medical school. She's paying for their education for their last year of education as well. So makes it's pretty spectacular. Absolutely. So seven hundred and thirty-seven students affected. That's great news. Absolutely. Let's go from one wealthy woman to a wealthy CEO. The head of Kellogg's is getting a lot of backlash today. He went on CNBC and he told people who were having a hard time paying groceries to eat cornflakes, eat more cornflakes, eat it for breakfast and eat it for dinner. He says it's the only thing that hasn't spiked big time since 2020. Cereal sales uh, have gone up about 12% since 2020. That's a little less than a lot of the other products. And he says, hey, I know groceries are unaffordable, so skip the chicken, skip the beef, uh, skip whatever you might be having for dinner and have some Fruit Loops, have some Rice Krispies, have some Sugar Pops, whatever it might be. He says Kellogg's is the way to go. And uh, the reporter, or rather, I should say, the guy who was interviewing him on CNBC, pushing back, saying, hey, that might be a little tone deaf when people are spending like uh, 21% of their salary on groceries, which is the highest in 31 years. Maybe you should not tell people to eat cereal. Maybe you should help people find a way to, you know, find a way to afford better meals. Well, so what is that guy and what is Kellogg's supposed to do, right? They're, They're doing their part by, okay, not keeping prices the same, but at least keeping inflation less than what it is, what, you know, less than what other food groups are doing. So when, you know, the the cynical CNBC viewer that says, oh, this is tone deaf, this is Marie Antoinette saying, let them eat cake. 
What is the head of Kellogg supposed to do because the people that make chicken and eggs and milk are all raising their prices? I mean, I mean, what is he supposed to do to help these folks have an easier time paying their grocery bill? Can't answer that question, but uh, Kellogg's does have this campaign. That the same idea. Do you remember? Well, this is before your time, but uh, there was a time many years ago in the 1970s where the orange juice companies uh, started promoting this idea that orange juice isn't just for breakfast anymore, getting people to drink it in other times a day. Essentially, he says this campaign is similar to that. Uh, I I've always liked a bowl of cereal for dinner My once in a too. while. My wife yeah. too. She's uh, she's of that ilk. I don't think that's big. But you know what? People need to lighten up. We're we're living in a society where people wait to find a problem with something. They they they're just waiting to yeah. be stimulated by something that they can throw rocks at the television set or run to Twitter to angrily right. angrily scream, "Oh my goodness, the Kellogg CEO. If you gave me $1000 yesterday, I couldn't have told you the Kellogg CEO's name." No. And yet today, he's the the poster child for tone deafness. Who cares what the Kellogg CEO is saying? Yeah. You don't want to eat cereal for lunch, don't eat it. Right. Otherwise, maybe it's a good strategy for yeah. some people. Yeah, well, there's there's always noodles, ramen. You know, exactly. Pasta is always good. <laughs> yeah. By the way, uh, the minority leader of the city council, um, Joe Borelli, who was just named the 97th most powerful person in New York, by the way. Oh, 97. Okay. Not bad. That's no, not that's, bad. That's pretty good. I, I didn't make the list. You didn't make the no, list. No, I didn't. <laughs> he, he, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's something I boast about, but okay. <laughs> he uh, he writes, wow, my brother has criticized uh, minority leader Borelli from time to time. He says, wow, your brother even ruins Gnome's story. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty great. Well, Listening, I believe, in Israel right oh, now, by the way. Um, maybe we can give him your father's, you know, address he, if he wants to look he, him up. Dad, my father makes a mean salmon. You know, he could stop by for dinner. How's his cereal? Does he uh, have a... he, he doesn't eat cereal. Yeah. Okay. He's not no. a cereal guy. Sorry, Joe. Yeah. Um, this Florida student, no doubt you've heard this story probably. The UCF student, Jack Sweeney, has been tracking the flights of Taylor Swift and her locations of where she is. Lots of people call this incredibly creepy. And Taylor Swift has now filed a lawsuit against this student, Jack Sweeney, saying, hey, stop following my flight patterns and publishing them online. That's what he's doing. Uh, she's not the only one he's done it for. Uh, he's done it to Elon Musk. Uh, he's done it for some Russian oligarchs following their flight patterns. Donald Trump, I think. Bill Donald Gates. Trump as well. He's fighting back today. He says, um, come on, bring it on the lawsuit, uh, being very vocal about the fact that he's not afraid to take on Taylor Swift. He says this information is publicly available. And if he wants to put it up on social media, it is protected speech. So he continues, even after the threat of this lawsuit from Taylor Swift, to track her flights despite the legal threat. Uh, he followed her as she went to Australia. She, he followed uh, Travis uh, Kelsey as he went to meet her in Australia. Australia. He followed her as he took her flight back. Now, people out there obviously found this information really interesting. He gets a lot of hits, a lot of follows, a lot of people retweeting the information. And so he's going to continue to do it. He says he doesn't care. He thinks he'll win the lawsuit. I, I say good for this kid. I, I saw him on um, Michael Smirconish's show maybe about a year or two ago when Elon Musk was ra making a very big deal about this, saying it was a security threat to him. And basically this kid said that he would stop doing it if Musk gave him either a Tesla or 
or a job. Okay. And I don't know. They I think he stopped with Musk. I, they can't. They worked out something. And initially, that was you know uh, Musk didn't agree to that. But I think he stopped. I think they worked out something. They should try to work out something. But what's the big deal if people know well, where f- Taylor Swift's plane is? Sw- Swift's people will tell you that it brings some sort of danger to her that she has uh, highly secure and that people there might be people who are after her and that they're able to track her every movement is probably not a good thing. Uh, but there's interest. I mean, he gets a ton of follows every time he puts this information well, yeah. up online. Uh, you know, the thing that I wonder, though, I, and I, I don't remember what this young man does. We, we should try and get him on the radio because he is actually pretty interesting and certainly very intelligent. But uh, I don't remember what this young man does for a job. But how is he going to pay the legal bills for this Taylor Swift lawsuit? I mean, I have to think if you're Taylor Swift, you're going to hire a great attorney that's just going to bury you in motion after motion. And e- even if it's a frivolous lawsuit, which I'm not saying this is, just to have somebody respond to all this stuff takes a uh, a whole lot of, of time and money. Well, he's done it with all these other people, and he survived that, so maybe the thought is he can survive this as well. Have other have other people sued you to know, stop him? Her far, So far, she hasn't. It's a threat of oh, a lawsuit. A threat. Yeah, so don't know if the other people actually carried as far as suing, and maybe Elon Musk said, hey, I won't sue you if you... <laughs> If you stop putting my information up. But it also, as this young man points out, it's all publicly available information. So what is the lawsuit? That guy is taking publicly inf- available information and making it available to the public? Let's again, stop him. Right. Well, again, Elon Musk, Taylor Swift, both making the same argument that somehow it endangers their lives. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, you don't want anything bad to happen to anybody. But uh, I don't know. I, I kind of give this uh, this guy credit for, for doing that. Good for him. You want one, one quick more? Absolutely. This, this one you'll like. Okay. Because you've seen this before. So this um, mom in the UK is getting tons of flack on social media. If this whether... is another story of someone being fired for taking someone's lunch, I don't no, want to hear no, it. No, I will no, stop no. you right now. No, no, no. We've gone up. We've gone past that story. This is another person <laughs> whose children are kicked out of school for having an OnlyFans page. I don't want to hear no, it. No, no, no. Okay. But and they're not back in the school. By the way, I spoke with her recently. <laughs> the um, this There's a lot is... of research on that OnlyFans. Yes. Story well, um, you know, yeah. So uh, there is this mom of a 21-month-old child, and uh, she posted online that she is getting lots of flack from people, but she doesn't care. Her kid is so rambunctious that she has now put him on a leash. She said he oh. can't sit in his stroller. He can't. Oh. Uh, he won't go for the old piggyback ride or on the shoulders. He's, he just has too much energy. And so she walks the streets of London with him on a leash. And I've seen this before. I'm sure you have, too. Uh, sometimes uh, in the past, it has been kids who are autistic, who are runners. And so the thought is, hey, I need to have them on leash. Otherwise, they're going to run. But in this case, she says that's not what's going on here. It's just that her kid is a little crazy. So she has him on a leash. And the whole world is blowing up over the story. Moms, of course, in particular, who say you should have enough control of your kid that they don't need to be on a leash like a dog. I agree with the upset moms. I, I I have a big problem leashing human beings. I think this is horrible. Horrible. How old is this this person? Two years leashed? old. Uh, she's uh, he's twenty one months old. So two years. All right. Old. I mean, look, I, I guess it's old. not as bad as leashing a twelve year old, but uh, but still, I mean, 
Really? Put them in a stroller or something. I can't tell you how many times I've walked around the city and you see this. Uh, they have like a harness on. I mean, it does, it does kind of look like a dog. And they have a leash that's, you know, I don't know, eight, six, eight feet long. And there's mom and dad touring through Manhattan with their child on a leash. Again, I don't like to judge what anyone else is doing in terms of parenting. Um, but this is one exception that I think I have to make. Uh, it's Nobody should be leashed. Yeah. Well... <laughs> Carmine's gotten away from you a few times, I imagine. He right? has. He kind of wished he was leashed. Yeah, well, you know, he's quick. I chase yeah. after him. Today he was running away from me on the on the sidewalk. But, uh, but uh, well, that's very, very good, Noam. The only problem I have with um, the way that you told that last story is when you said uh, that, um, you know, how rum- rambunctious is, you know, she's so rambunctious, you should have said, paused and allowed me to say, how rambunctious is she? And you could have said, she's right. so rambunctious, her right. version of quiet time is telling jokes in sign language. Right. You know, or yeah. something along those I'll lines. I'll leave it open next time for All you. All right. Thank you, Noam Sure. And now you know the rest of the story. I mean, she's so rambunctious, her cat has a membership to the local comedy club. I don't know what that really means. All right. Um, 800-848-9... Uh, 800-848-9222 if you want to comment on uh, anything we've talked about this hour. Hey, let me remind you, we have a brand new edition of The Racket Report. Really interesting. Really interesting. My guest in the uh, episode that we just posted is Mary Spacuza. Mary Spacuza is an investigative journalist for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. And she's a reporter, an investigative journalist. And when she was four years old, her cousin was killed. Her cousin Augie was killed. She didn't know anything about it. So she does this whole story investigating why her cousin was killed. Her cousin Augie. What'd you find out about your cousin Augie's killing, namely why he died? So there were different theories about why he died. I think it was, again, kind of an all of the above. I think that he, um, there was kind of a, a long-time family tension between uh, his family, the Palmazanos, and the Balistrieri or Balistrieri family, um, dating back to a wedding that um, the Palmazanos did not want to happen. That happened, and it kind of severed some family relationships um, because of there were concerns about the family he was married that Augie's brother was marrying into. Um, so I think there was kind of a long-time deep-seated simmering resentment and frustration there it's a really interesting story about how her cousin was killed by the mob and her journey to piece together an almost 50 year old mystery check it out um just go to uh, redapplepodcastnetwork.com type in the racket report you can also type in the racket report on any podcast app hit the subscribe button and it comes right up and you can listen to my uh, interview with Mary Spacuza a fascinating story with all sorts of tentacles and we've done a lot of episodes of the racket report Looking at different mobs, the New York mob, the Philadelphia mob, the uh, Buffalo mob, the Detroit mob, Kansas City mob. This was really the first episode that we've done dealing with the mob in Wisconsin. And I thought it was absolutely fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. So if you want to check it out, uh, just search The Racket Report on any podcast app or go to 
redapplepodcastnetwork.com and search The Racket Report. By the way, Matt Blaze, whatever happened to the podcast that uh, that you guys used to do, The Darker Side of Midnight, are you guys on strike like an Eiffel Tower maintenance worker? Well, since there's been so much going on here with my health and being sick and being out, we are. I'm trying to figure out a time that we will start again. Now that Tony will be off tomorrow, maybe we'll start at the end of the week. We'll do a Friday episode to start off All right. having these go on again. But I, they will uh, be happening. Uh, yeah, I can't believe the... Um can't believe the podcast people put up with that level of inconsistency, honestly. All right, we're going to do 15 seconds of fame in a moment, 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Serial Enthusiasts, a great song, which is just tearing up the the charts all over the place. Thank you, Stevie G, for making the song available to us. All right, we're going to do 15 seconds of fame in a moment. Uh, you can start queuing up at 800-848-9222. You know who's going to be here tomorrow? Tom Likas. I had thought that he might be on the program today. But we had to move some stuff around. He's going to join us in the first hour of the program tomorrow. So uh, he's always a hoot to talk to, and there's no telling where those conversations go. And David, who won our uh, best question for Ask Frank Anything on Friday, I will have an exclusive interview with David from the Bronx on a subject of his choosing. So you're not going to want to miss that. We'll get into that in a big way. All right. If you want to be heard, now's the time. 800-848-9222 as part of... The Other Side of Midnight. This is 15 Seconds of Fame. Raji. Please, stop criticizing Rita's continuous chuckling giggling. To satisfy her boss. Mike. Morning, Frank. Nikki Haley celebrates primary loss. 
like I celebrate the purchase of my 4,000th losing lottery ticket with not a winner in sight. I can see, see pretty far down the road, and I see another loss ahead. But hey, if you're not in it, you can't win it. Gary! Hey, you got the new station in Minnesota. Uh, the Twin Cities back in the Depression was where the Trotskyists took control of that town with the Teamsters Union in a general strike. Wow. David! Yes, Burkina Faso doesn't have elementary school shootings. They don't have hundreds of thousands of their citizens dying from fentanyl. And they don't have to build a border wall because no one wants to live in that place. Thank you. Robert! Don't vote for Democrats. They're not doing anything good for you. They're destroying our country. Cheech. Falco's dead. Wake up. Worry about the crime in the subways instead of the freaking bird. Rusty. Yeah, last week, you only, Sid comes in and you only had one call last week and the, yesterday. He, he, he wants to show who's on his, on his show. What balls he's got. You let him get away with it. Charles. Sam and Sarah, an elderly Jewish couple, was in America just one year. Sam gets sick, goes to the doctor, comes back. His wife says, what does the doctor say? He said, I have syphilis. She goes, what is syphilis? He goes, how should I know? She said, I look it up in the dictionary. She looks it up. Oh, Sam, don't worry about anything. It says here, syphilis is a disease of the Gentiles. <laughs> well done, Charles. Well done. Alfredo. Hey, listen, come to New and I want to show you something. This is much better than Cap May. Alfredo, I agree with everything you said. Jimmy! Hey, darling, you're a mama Mike! He's a moron, he's a moron, he's a moron, he's a moron. That's probably our our signal to uh, end this portion of the show for today. I appreciate the the dedication to a bit, believe me. All right, uh, tomorrow, Tom Likas and uh, a whole lot more. We didn't get to get into the situation involving the U.S. Supreme Court and free speech, which I want to delve into tomorrow. Also, a free speech case that involves a college publication and a sense of humor sense of humor is so important maybe one of the most important things in life and there's a huge free speech case that has to do with the first amendment and balancing a satire we'll get into that tomorrow by the way the u.s supreme court speaking of them they delivered a rare unanimous victory for criminal defendants. All our listeners in prison and in jail right now ought to appreciate this. The justices ruled that a Georgia man was protected from retrial in a murder case by the double jeopardy clause in the Constitution when he was found not guilty by reason of insanity in a prior trial. Justice Katanji Brown-Jackson wrote the opinion But it ended an attempt by prosecutors and local judges to put this man on trial again. This guy with severe mental illness who stabbed his mother to death was found not guilty by reason of insanity. The prosecutors were trying to put him on trial again. Supreme Court unanimously, which is rare, said, no, you don't. No, you don't. Also, the Chinese found a dragon fossil, which is exciting. We'll tell you about that tomorrow. A lot to get to. 
And uh, if you want to stay in touch with me, you can follow me on Twitter. Yes, I still call it Twitter, at Frank, M-O-R-A-N-O. Until tomorrow, Frank Moreno, good day.